Here lies Otto Octavius, dead and reborn. Here lies Peter Parker, but still it's unknown. Cause Spider-Man still survives and he still fights crime. But I don't think he's the same as he was before. Something different in his tone, in the way that he walks. In the way he fights the criminals, something is off. There's a glide in his step and a gleam in his eye. Here's a man who seems like he's having his first time in the limelight. So people can tell him where that old man was so unwelcome. Peter Parker is let in. From the beautiful women to the loving fans. To the people who expect more with open hands. It's a new Spider-Man for the new age now. You can marvel at his feats and just watch how. He hangs upside down and approaches with a scowl. Something's about to go down. They say the better man wants superiority. I don't believe that. You know it's me. Episode 230 for May 2013. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have discounts that start at 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trades. An example on this episode is on Scarlet Spider number 19. In this one, Kane is rocking his new suit as he teams up with Wolverine, and evidently he makes a deal with the devil, and it's not Mephisto. The cover price is $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Alright, let's tackle message board questions. We've been at this for a few hours, and Kevin has to go with the quickest, so let me aim the questions that are let me aim the questions that are aimed at Kevin to Kevin. That was very redundant, BD, but Yay. you're a professional. <laughs> uh, Abul Aziz from a location. Open a can of tuna now. Shaking, shaking hands with a door. No idea what that means. Kevin, Batman became a vampire once. What will you do if Spider-Man turned to a vampire? Well, you did that in Blade one one time, didn't you? I was about to say I got a piece of trivia for you. Blade number one, uh, the Mark Guggenheim series. Spider-Man was turned into a vampire. We didn't see him turn into a vampire because the issue started with uh, Blade fighting vampire Spider-Man, and it was just kind of a matter of his constitution cured him of it after a little bit of time, I think. So it was kind of dumb. Um, That's kind of cool. And okay, fair enough. Counterpoint. Um, <laughs> but just I don't know. I didn't like that series in general, and that issue kind of uh, sort of showed why. But yeah, I just I, I don't like the issues with Batman as a vampire either. I don't think that kind of thing really works. At least for me, it's not really what I want to see in a vampire story. Um, so I don't really want to see it done again. Um, if you do, cool, and maybe somebody will do it well. Uh, T.S. Champ from Jackson, Mississippi. Kevin, after reading the Spider-Man Sidelight books, which ones do you think can be made into a movie, a live-action TV show, and a video game? Well, Ultimate Spider-Man has been a video game, yep. so there's that. I'd say Venom is too mindless to be anything but a video game. Um, goddamn. Or maybe it can just die <laughs> and never be heard from again. Venom's um, been a video game, I mean. Yeah, Scarlet Spider cannot be adapted into any of those other media. It's... What is great about that comic book would not translate, basically. So it's the best of them, and it's going the least places. Um, and Honestly, Ultimate Spider-Man, you can say, hey, there is an Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. We all know that's not Ultimate Spider-Man. The Ultimate Spider-Man comic book could be translated into a cartoon really well, I think. Um, that'd be a great series. And, I mean, honestly, they're already making Ultimate Spider-Man movies. They're just calling them Amazing Spider-Man. So, there's that. Revenge-ish. And sure. Morbius, again, should be forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, let's see. Next Kevin question. I'm skimming. I'm sensing there's not enough Kevin questions this month. That's, I'm uh, skimming Kevin. Ke- Boom. Left, big, big Al from Ed, Ed Guare. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Ed Guare. All right. Kevin, as a writer, could you please explain the distinction between using continuity in a story and continuity porn? Could you please give some examples? Oh, there can be such a fine line. Um, yeah. Base, I mean, the basic thing you could say is when you use continuity, when the continuity matters to the story you're telling, uh, then it's, you know, using continuity right. When you are just tossing in, uh, you know, names and previous events for just the pure hell of it, and as some people have accused some writers of, just to show how much you know, that is continuity porn. Um, I'll give you two examples, one for each. In the re- and I mentioned this in my Morbius review. In the recent Mor- Morbius issue, uh, Morbius, just out of nowhere, when talking about fighting this gang and this gang leader, uh, says, well, I faced worse. Um, I faced a guy that was made, out of, uh, made completely out of eyeballs, and he was from hell, so... Now, this was a direct reference, only for people that would get it, uh, to a villain, swear to God, named Hell Eyes, from the Adventure <laughs> Into Fear series that Mor- was Morbius' nice. first solo series. That had absolutely no place in the issue. At all. And then he went on to mention it again. So, that to me felt like Joe Keating saying, I've read Adventure Into Fear, here. <laughs> That's continuity porn. Um, On the other hand, now everybody brace yourselves uh, because I am about to use Grant Uh Morrison as an example of writing well. Um, (laughs) Anybody that knows me knows this is a new thing. Um, (laughs) When Grant Morrison, in his Batman run, uses the quote-unquote the Batman of Zurin R and ideas like Dr. Hurt... He is referencing some obscure Batman stories and some silly ones, but he, they are actually part of his story. He is using those things in the story, and that makes it proper use of continuity, not just continuity porn. Now, again, there is a fine line. There are all kinds of different ways to do it. There are times when name dropping is fine, and like I said with this uh, Superior Spider-Man number nine, yes, Dan Slott references a lot of past events, drops a lot of past names, but in the context of the story he was telling, that made perfect sense, and it fit. It wasn't just him naming off every person that's ever been the Hobgoblin for the fun of it. That's continuity porn. So uh, hopefully that gives you an idea of the difference, and hopefully I've described that well. That was very good. I like that. Uh, next one, the Spider-Mon. <laughs> uh, location, the back of uh, Mousy's taxi. Kevin, Kane has, against all odds, starred in arguably the best spider book hitting the stands today. What's another Clone Saga character you'd think could be brought back and given the Scarlet Spider treatment? I spell, I smell Spider Side by Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> um, I think... Uh, the only the only real like major clone saga character that could uh, support his own book besides Spider-Man and Kane is Ben Riley. Um, that's the obvious. Ooh. 
That's that's the one we all know. Ben Riley could have a book. Clearly, I don't. I can't think of any other Clone Saga specific character that could support their own book. But there are definitely Clone Saga supporting characters that could come back as good supporting characters. Um, coming directly to mind is Jessica Carradine and Janine Godby. Um, you know. Ben's girlfriends were good characters, and they actually had some depth to them, so there's really no reason not to use them, even without Ben around. Um, <laughs> Dan Flatt wrote on his Twitter recently that he doesn't like Jessica Carradine. Of course he doesn't. Uh, Why? I don't know. She's written in not the 90s. from the first 32 issues. Because <laughs> Dan Slott sucks. That's, that's just that's just all. No. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> sure. um, as for Spider-Side... I feel like uh, that's not so much a Brian Michael Bendis project as if somebody's going to use him, it's going to be Jonathan Hickman. He's going to explain why Spider-Side is somehow perfectly scientifically accurate, and he's going to make him God. Wow. And I, would I could see the happening. hell out of that. <laughs> 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 um, but, you know, other than that, I mean, your big Clone Saga characters, like, nobody ever wants to hear from Judas Traveler again. Zach doesn't oh, like Judas Traveler no. again. Yeah. Nobody ever wants what? to hear about Scryer again. No. I know I don't want to hear about Scryer again. I, some people like Carolyn Trainer. I think at a time when Doctor Octopus is being Spider Man, it would be interesting to have Carolyn Trainer as Doctor Octopus. Um, in fact, now that I think about it, I don't know why we haven't thought about that already. <laughs> what, about, like what about Joystick? <laughs> <laughs> Blow me. Uh, <laughs> you can blow wow. your joystick. Of course, yeah. uh, Phil Urich is already back as the Hobgoblin. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that would be that would be my my basic rundown. I don't think there are any other characters besides the Spider Brothers that can support their own book. But there are there are plenty of supporting characters out there that could be brought back in interesting ways. It's just somebody has to want to do it. Yeah, there's a lot. This well, and I can't I can't insult people for not wanting to use. A, a certain supporting character from one era of Spider-Man because there have been so many eras that have had so many supporting characters, you can't use them all. It would be overload. So, of course, you're going to use the ones that you like. That only makes sense. So, it, it's just going... We're just going to have to wait for somebody that likes those supporting characters and wants to use them, and uh, that's that's fine. Yeah. This one is aimed at the group, but I want to hear Kevin's opinion on it. It's from Maximum Spider. He's a new poster. Uh, what... You just stumbled across the podcast about a month ago, so... I love his avatar so much. I do. It's a very, very cool avatar. Uh, he's, he was curious who your favorite and least favorite characters are in Spidey's Rogue Gallery. Let's hear your favorite and least, Kevin. I think I've, I think this is well-tread ground for me. Um, least favorite, we all know how I feel about the lizard. Um <laughs> Especially like as classic when I'm when you say this I mostly think of like classic Ditko villains because um, like I I I have all the respect in the world for Lee and Ditko um, I hate the lizard I I kind of hate the vulture yeah those are, those are not my favorite characters of course then there's the really obvious bad ones like the big wheel and the rocket racer um, yeah make me want to die in general. Um, you know, most of the original villains from Brand New Day, and I'm not taking a Brand New Day dig in general, it's just that a lot of those sucked. Um, this was an era Overdrive, that... Overdrive, an, an era that brought us Overdrive, Freak, and Menace. Yeah. And Paper Dolls. Oh, Freak. My God, how many episodes have we gone without talking about Freak? Yeah. And, oh, oh, man. Not, and Screwball. I forgot about him. 
Screwball is actually not terrible. I would not name her in my least favorite. I mean, I don't, I don't have any particular love, but I also, now that I think about it, don't have any particular hate. Um, favorite character, favorite rogues. I mean, uh, Morbius, obviously. Um, Venom and the Green Goblin are really hard to beat. I think. Uh, I know Doctor Octopus is getting the spotlight right now, and I mean. Credit to Dan Slott, he really is being pumped up. And for years, a lot of people have said uh, Green Goblin and Dr. Octopus kind of fight for that top spot. I get why, um, but for me, as a matter of favorite and best, um, it's always been a battle between Green Goblin and Venom. And even in a subset, <laughs> um, there are multiple Green Goblins. Norman and Harry Osborn, both, uh, are, are some of my favorite Spider-Man villains. Uh, Venom, of course, only when it's Eddie Brock. The original Venom is the only real good villain Venom, in my opinion. Flash Thompson has merit on his own, but not as a Spider-Man villain. Um, Yeah. Carnage had... Matt Gargan? Screw Matt Gargan. Um, (laughs) And the tail, too. Matt Gargan is the damn scorpion. Uh, I I love Mark Miller's Marvel Knights Spider-Man run, and I often point to it as one of my favorite runs. I hated what he did to Venom. I hated making Matt Gargan Venom. Um, it just didn't work. And, I mean, Warren Ellis, to his credit, uh, did the very best he could in, um, in his Thunderbolts run. And that was the best that Matt Gargan ever was as Venom. But as a Spider-Man villain, it has to be Eddie Brock, or we have to invent somebody new that's going to be that good, because it hasn't been seen yet. Last one for Kev, uh, Lockdown asks, uh, do you think Morbius would work as a great TV show along the lines of The Walking Dead? Uh, I don't know about along the lines of The Walking Dead. That seems like a strange comparison. Um, I guess just because it's a, a horror-themed comic TV show right now, so I guess it's not so right. strange. But I don't think a, I think a Morbius show could work. I don't think it would be really too similar to The Walking Dead. Um, I also wouldn't want it to be the broody vampire show. Like, I mean, I I liked Moonlight. I did. Um, I like Buffy and Angel. That's not what a Morbius show should be. Um, actually. This is a good question because it actually makes me realize that Morbius would be a pretty good candidate for a TV show. He he's kind of an open book. I mean, I mean, you could you, you have a, he's kind of like Blade in the fact that you could do pretty much anything with him. I think. Yeah, and um, yeah. I like he's not tied with fifty years of continuity <laughs> like Spider Man. I think the the take on Morbius that has worked best so far was the, the Night Suns, uh, the Midnight Suns yeah. series in the nineties. Um, yep. And that is where that is, I think, what people should be using as a starting point. I'm not saying that you need to do that. I'm not saying you need to redo that. I'm not saying any new comic book or offshoot needs to be like based on that or a rehash of that. But I think we need to go back to when he worked, look at why that was, and take that as a jump off point. Yeah. Uh, because you know I, what we're doing now, just there's no reason it needs to be more obvious. What, uh, along the lines of Marvel TV shows, I think Daredevil would work great as a, a hour-long drama. Oh, I've been saying that for years. I'm, uh, he, he he screams network TV perfection. He is half yep. superhero, half courtroom drama. How does that not work? Exactly. Exactly. Plus, he's got a lot of great stories. I mean, I actually uh, was I was thinking about this very hard years ago and actually came up with at least a season and a half worth of arcs for a Daredevil TV show, and all you gotta do is go back to that Frank Miller stuff, and there is so much yep. on there. Yep. Starring I Sam Waterston. 
Dum dum. Maybe a weird choice. I think somebody that would be really good uh, for uh, like a younger Matt Murdock in a TV show, and you might have to look this guy up. Um, Justin Chatwin, who is oh yeah, he's on Shameless. Speaking of Shameless, um, he was he, on that uh, terrible Dragon Ball movie. Yes, he was the star of the terrible Dragon Ball movie. Um, he also did a never a heard of Hoyer movie called Invisible, I think. I remember that, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's good, he's young, I think he's got the look that he can do something like that, and I feel like Goku was a hiccup, and it's only a matter of time before he does some <laughs> little piece of superhero lab actionery. Hmm. Yeah, With Jonah Hill as Foggy Nelson. <laughs> well, clearly, and that, that went without saying, right? Screw that. Who would, pl- who would play Electro? Uh, I don't know. Um, Someone Greek and, and dark-haired and Greek. When I was thinking no. of <laughs> good God. good God, it was with a younger version who was recently out of law school. Um, yeah. So that kind of informed my thinking of that. And when it comes to I don't know somebody of that age to do it, I'm not sure who I'd want for it. I'm I, there's so many older actresses that I know better just because they've been around for so long. Yeah. So I, I think maybe you know some of these people should be uh, new people, but right. we definitely need to break the idea of Jennifer Garner. I agree, and I like Jennifer Garner. I love Jennifer Garner, but that's not not as Electra, yeah. Uh, We get that's the last Kevin question, but you can stick around for another twenty minutes or so. That cool? Yeah, at least. All right, let's go back up to the top. We're going to uh, go through everybody's uh, questions that are aimed at everybody. Uh, back to Abul Aziz, who we, we uh, introduced earlier. Uh, this one's aimed at me. You guys should review Ultimate Spider-Man's cartoon on this podcast regularly. Hell no. That would be. That would be good if any of us watched it. I still watch it. Okay. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, Has it gotten any better? No. In a word, no. It's pretty bad. Yeah. How many episodes come out a month? Uh, you know, they were coming out two? like uh, four a month, and then they kind of slowed down to like one or two. It's not been very long. Abul Aziz, if Zack is game, new Ultimate Spider-Man reviews by Zack. How about that? And only Zack. You're dead? I'll do it. All right. The, that's the only thing is, it's like, you know, it already takes us a long time to record the podcast, adding <laughs> more segments. Well, Four episodes a month. <laughs> I would say ah, someone real- who's the target audience for that podcast, for that, for that show, should, like, do a podcast about it. Like, if you enjoy the show and you're the target audience... Do a podcast. I, I yeah, think, I think we the could target do audience is mostly younger than our target audience. Ten. Real, I think real quick, Zach could say, Ultimate Spider-Man, this happened, this happened, F. <laughs> Every day. I will, I will, I'll All keep right. it, I'll keep the synopsis down to less than five cool. minutes total, and we'll just go, go from there. All right. What the fans demand. There you go, Zach. All right. Uh, JR, JR, you still with us? I'm still with you. You're still Good with man. us. All right. JR, I watched a video last night, and the teacher in that video sounds a lot like you. <laughs> that was worth it. Well, JR, thank you, JR, thank you for, for providing me. Yeah, thank you for providing me with absolutely no frame of reference to judge that statement. <laughs> JR, I don't know why that tickled me so much, but it did. Uh, Josh and Don, Spectacular Spider-Man Magazine number one versus Amazing Spider-Man. 116 to 118. Which version of that story is better? What do you think? 
I'd have to compare them side by side. I prefer the latter one because it actually like fits in the continuity and I'm OCD about continuity. But it really it's like saying what's better, the original or the thing that cut pages from the original and added like other stuff. Like like the Lord of the Rings extended cut or <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I like the the amazing version because like like that politician who like in the original Stanley story was like this raving asshole. Like he was—he's just funnier as, as like you know a crazy politician who's trying to do good. So it's just a, more, a lot more entertaining to read. Plus, you know, you, you can see Peter, Harry, Gwen, and Mary Jane—you know, like like get involved in politics, which is amusing. Zach, what if Norman killed Kane and Ben Riley survived? Hmm. Well, we wouldn't have Scarlet Spider, would we? Uh, the current title. <laughs> first things first. Um, I, I think. Uh, if that had happened, you would have probably seen a, a uh, earlier Scarlet Spider than on title. Okay. Chris, who gave Steve Rogers his best voice in your opinion? You can include the live action cap. I'm going to include, uh, I'm going to say Ed Brubaker, who is actually also probably who the live action cap is mostly based on, <laughs> of any writer. I, li- I like how you. I thought he was doing, talking about voice actors, but I like how you used the word voice. That's very good. Oh, like, I thought he meant, like, voices in he, like, who wrote the characters so he sounded the best. And, and no, I, I think he was talking about voice actors in animation oh. and, and, and film and whatever, but Ed Brubaker gave him a good voice. I yeah, that's what that. I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. Um, who the hell has voice cap in anything else? Exactly. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, he, he's in the, uh, the Avengers cartoon, and... He's been in other stuff, but I don't think his voice is that memorable. So I guess it's a live action cap, but like his voice, his voice isn't the thing that makes it really great. But you know, I I think the Avengers cartoon, the Earth's Mightiest Heroes cap, is pretty good. He's good, but it's not like you are listening to that and you are like captivated by this amazing voice actor. I just, it just doesn't really affect me that much. But yeah, zipline aiming a question my way. Uncharted can go suck it. (laughs) <laughs> I see. Okay, Uncharted. I like Uncharted a lot on the PS3. The new Tomb Raider plays Uncharted better than Uncharted. In all serious, seriousness, I recommend you buy this game. It's great. Have you ever thought about trying it out? Yeah, I've seen the trailer. I'm interested. I like those action-adventure kind of games, uh, and there's boobs in this one. So, uh, <laughs> And uh, you made Stella cry, by the way. You made Stella cry. I, who? I did? No, Zipline. No, Zipline. Why did Zipline make Stella cry? Because he's he's second. Oh, 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 yes, uh, yes. Stella and I both. Stella introduced me to Uncharted, and I I like Uncharted a lot. And uh, however, I'm not going to pay sixty bucks for Tomb Raider. I'll wait till it's in the twenty dollar bin. Uh, to Chris, may I have your address? Uh, no, so that I can send you <laughs> seven copies of Minimum Carnage in trade paperback form for you to review. Lols. It's much. <laughs> it's much. <laughs> And adore you, and it's your favorite story about Carnage and Venom as characters. Troll face. Uh, okay. Prove that you have seven copies of Minimum Carnage and trade paperback, and I will send you my um, address privately. And then you can, if you send them to me, you can look for those trade paperbacks on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> and then try to buy them back. Now that was a true lulls. I like that. That's very good. Poor Zipline's only got six posts. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're busting his zip lines. Uh, to Delvin, people like to complain about Spider-Man 3 having too many villains contributing to lack of proper balance. Does this mean that the Sinister Six would never be attempted on the big screen? Not necessarily. I don't think they like just the fact that Spider-Man 3... I mean, too many villains doesn't always mean a bad thing, because I think that like the Batman films, like the Chris Nolan Batman films, really did a masterful job in balancing the villains. Because I think they had, like three in every every film, and I think that like you can... I mean, we'll see how ASM2 comes out with Rhino and uh, Electro, but I think the Sinister Six would be tricky because it is more than three. It's six. But I think that, like, uh, nothing's impossible. You can always aspire to, uh, you know, put some stuff out there and give it a shot. But it is, it is, it's not tricky, but it's not impossible, essentially. Good writing tackles all. Uh, what are the gang's thoughts on the next-gen consoles, the PS4 and the Xbox 720? What would you like to see the programmers at BMOX make possible in Spider-Man game that's not been done previously? One of the things I imagine is either a larger-scale 2099 open world or a Spider-Man noir this, as a full this game. This is what I want to see, because I don't think that like, they, like, people actually notice this, but when Spider-Man's web-swinging now, the open world kind of gameplay, he always like web-swings with one like like one wrist and like swings on that one thing. He doesn't actually swing from, from line to line like he actually does in the comics and cartoons. And like, I want that small little change made, because that will actually make the experience better. Um, I, one thing I do want to see is I want to see, particularly on the PlayStation side, them use the actual storage capacity of the Blu-ray. Blu-ray has four times the amount of storage that a regular DVD does, which is what the Xbox currently runs, is, is basically an expanded version of regular D- DVD. I want to see them pack more into the game. And not just uh, not just for the graphics, but actually pack more story. I want to see uh, you know them kind of use that capability that's just sitting there waiting to be exploited. Yeah, we we don't want a game done in six hours. Exactly. We want we want six months. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be worth sixty bucks, wouldn't it? You get ten bucks a month to play this game or wait. Yes. The last six months, I think that'd be awesome. I'm down for the PS4. Um, Sure, why not? I bought the PS2. <laughs> I bought the PS3. I well, they should use the new motion sensor gear, like, you know, like with Connect and stuff. I don't know what they're going to have for the new things. And, like, you move your arms to actually Connect to. shoot webs. Yeah. Um, they did that kind of on the Wii, but I'm, I'm I, maybe I'm a lazy bastard. I want to sit on my couch and, and twiddle my thumbs. I don't want to hop up and down. I mean, I As opposed to what you do all the time there, Brad? Uh, I know. I don't want to do that. Anyway, on a side note, did anyone pick up the Wii U version of Amazing Spider-Man Ultimate Edition? If so, how is it? Anybody got a Wii U? I don't think they they haven't sold very well. Oh, uh, they've sold terrible. Yeah, they're they're not selling very well. No, I, I have a Wii, I, but I, I haven't played it. with it in years. Why would that you hook bad. up a game to your big plasma screen TV so that you can look at a little handheld device and not at the screen where the game's playing? I, I know, I don't get that either. I, uh, that's selling point that didn't make sense. Yeah, I, they, at that point, he, it just becomes a Game Boy. Yep. Well, I want to be able to do both. Certain things. I, Zach's breaking up a little bit. I can't really understand him. The, the, uh, to the biggest Gwyn fans on the podcast, is anyone curious on the status uh, Age of Apocalypse counterpart, especially with the new miniseries featuring that world having spun off from Uncanny X-Force 18? She played a partial role in the 1995 crossover by killing Norman Osborn, Fisk, Arcade, and the Al, existing villains who had used their finances to buy their way into Apocalypse's army. Has this subject ever been discussed in the Crawl Space? Why or why not? Because we, we, because we don't know Age of Apocalypse that well. I, I yeah. know that there's like a Gwen from that crossover. who like I, I've heard this stuff before, 
But my knowledge of X-Men basically comes from, you know, old back issues and the all-new bottled water issues. Yeah, I've I, I, I read <laughs> Age of Apocalypse, what, 20 years ago, but the Gwen there just didn't stand out in my mind until you just brought it up 20 years later. Uh, T.S. Champ, uh, Brad, if you could direct a Spider-Man movie and couldn't use any villain that has been used, who would your villain be from the Spider-Man's rogues gallery? <sighs> I wish I would have thought about it. I, I, I mean, Electro and, and Rhino are very good choices, I think. They, they haven't been on film. Electro's been discussed since James Cameron. Come on, you know so, those don't count. They're going to be in a movie in like a year. I know it, I know it. Pick I, something I, else, Brad. <laughs> help, me with, help me with some villains that would make a good visual. I don't think the Vulture would work. Carnage. It's, uh, C- Carnage is too much as of a copy Mysterio. of... Mysterio. I don't know if the fishbowl would work. Just, yeah. The illusions, the virtual reality, the hologram. Yeah. The you can have a fight... You can have the fight in the mind. You can use the 90s costume anyway, without the bowl. I feel yeah. like they would make a very new costume for Mysterio, and it would be a good idea to do so. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not the costume that would be cool. It would be like him, you know, making these illusions in this movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think the jackal would look very good with a green, hairy, furry dude. Yeah, that wouldn't look good. He'd look like a, a pissed-off cookie monster. You just get Jim Carrey to put the Grinch costume back on. You're good to go. Oh, Grinch costume is... <laughs> Any, am I missing anybody? Who, who else hasn't been on film that would rock from the Spider-Verse? I always uh, wanted to see a version of the Clone Saga done with the Sam Raimi um, cast because the idea of Tobey Maguire playing Kane is just so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's awesome. All right, uh, Jr. Uh, do you think Marvel needs to have an old school month where we can uh, have some of the '70s writers and artists write some Marvel comics? And who would do what? They did that. Sorry. Yeah. Did they? Well, they did what, that. Was it they did that with minus the point ones? ones? Yeah. DC did that a few years ago. Not well, I was going to say, does, does Marvel need to? And I would say no. Would I mean, it would be a good idea. It might be nice to see like Conway and Lynn Wein and uh, Marvel Wolfman do Spider-Man again. But uh, but the thing is, who would buy it? I'm not so sure that uh, anybody besides uh, some of us old fogies would, would, would buy it. So I'm not you know, if Marvel thought they could make money, they would already have done it probably. Yeah, Zach was right though with the the point ones. They had uh, Stern and DeFalco, and who else came back? Uh, I forget Demetrius. Yeah, I think Demetrius did, but the artist didn't come back. I think the artist was what people would like. I I think we'd like a Salvi Sima. We'd like an Alex Savic. Um, Ramita. They're doing that right now with Iron Man, though. I don't think it's selling. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's aimed at a very niche market of us old farts, as Jarrah says. Uh, let's see. Josh, what character is the replacement for Betty? Love the articles, by the way. Uh, yeah, glad you love the articles. Um, I'm a little confused by the question, though, when you say replacement for Betty. like, um, So going in, whatever he means by the question, I'm going to list possible answers, depending on what yep. his intent was. Um, Secretary for the Daily Bugle, Glory Grant, I would say. I mean, that was a given. That worked. Mm-hmm. As the plucky reporter character, you know, getting involved in things, I think Nora Winters has kind of filled that role. And I'm not really a big fan of Nora Winters, but, you know, she's... Why not? Eh, 
it, that would take too long to get into uh, right that, now. That was rhetorical. And I don't know. She's a bit racist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about That's that. That's a new article like, yeah. She's no. a shrill, obnoxious racist who accosts people by licking their faces. There you go. Why don't you like her? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, T.S. Champ will have to ask that next month now, won't he? Um, yeah. And let's see. As a love interest for Peter, it's – I think that that question's so broad, like, you know, because Peter's had so many love interests, so I'm not even going to go into that one. As a love interest for Flash in the Venom series, I think it would I, – I don't think he and Shashan should get back together. She works better as an ex-girlfriend, but I think that it would be really cool now if they revisited his relationship with Felicia, because they almost got married in the 90s, and now that he's Venom and she's Black Cat, they could do, like, missions together and stuff, and I I think she would be an interesting foil for him, and that has not been revisited in a long time. And Yeah, early 90s, yeah. Yeah, they broke up right before the Clone Saga, and um and as a replacement for Betty for like Bertoni hates Betty and like for my rage, honestly, Bet- <laughs> Betty was just unlucky. If somebody was to concentrate all the energy I did onto Betty onto any other character, y- you can find stuff. Like if there was an alternate reality where I picked Liz Allen, I mean, off the top of my head, Liz Allen telling Peter, get away from me, Peter, your wife died, you're cursed, I hate you, you're not my friend anymore because you have a dead wife. I mean, <laughs> that's right there. I mean, I could have easily done, like, 20 articles on Liz. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Don, if you're reading or looking at some published independent artists, who do you think would be interesting to come up and do a Spider-Man issue? Um, that's, I, I'm not I, I'm not well versed in independent artists, so I maybe guys that do fan art on DeviantArt, guys that you like on DeviantArt. Well, I mean, yeah, there, there are a lot, a lot of guys like, like Roboto or Chamba or myself or uh, or Ted Brandt. You know, uh, Kevin's pal. He did the uh, Crawl Space uh, Spider-Man comic uh, covers. I actually put his uh, artwork for Spider-Art. I think it was today. So. Um, a lot of a lot of the, the guys on DeviantArt do really good stuff, and they could give it a shot. Cool, uh, Chris. If you had to defend Doc Ock on stolen identity in a court of law, what would your defense be, and would you let Doc Ock take the stand? Um, well, I think without having like looked at, up any possible like statute or anything that could be construed as what he means by stolen identity, because. I, I don't know if he means, like, identity theft or, like, credit card fraud or... Uh, I don't know. But ba- basically, as a blanket statement, any crime... Any any real-world law probably is not violated by uh, switching minds with someone just because that's not something that people in the real world are anticipating when they um, draft laws because it's fantastical. So my defense would most likely be that what Doc Ock has done does not fulfill the elements of the offense. Zach, if you had to explain what is going on in the Spider-Man books that include Scarlet Spider and you had to do it in two sentences to someone who hasn't read comics before, how would you do it? you got two sentences, sir. Go ahead. Here's my two sentences. Currently in Spider-Man books, Peter Parker does not star in them. Instead, you see his formerly deformed clone, his former arch enemy, and a kid that you've never heard of in Ultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> there you go. Peter Parker's not in it. Go read Batman. Go read That's mine. Batman. <laughs> <Good now. laughs> 
<laughs> when one of the kids from work was looking through Ultimate Spider-Man, and he's he likes Tom Cage, he's like, "How old is he?" And I said, 13. And then he says, "Finally." <laughs> For some reason, yeah, this some one reason. is this one's aimed at everyone. What do you think was the last thought of the spider that bit Peter Parker? I do I'm, this in the name of science. Uh, I'm so, I'm so glad I was able to pass on the totem powers before the radiation killed me. <laughs> <laughs> He's thinking. I sure hope he doesn't blame everything that happens on himself. Man, I'm hungry. <laughs> That's the last thing I was. This hand will sure help me get the radiation out of my body. My my answer is nom nom nom. Uh, Brains. <laughs> Brains. Yeah, that's the last words. Uh, Hornack. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. He even gave me a pronouncer in the beginning. Horn Hornacek. I'm so sorry, Hornacek, from Belford and uh, NS Canada. <laughs> Nova Scotia, man. Nova Scotia, Canada. All right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, my handle is this. I only mentioned because last time when I asked my first podcast question, uh, ever, ever, no one knew how to pronounce it, uh, which was completely understandable. Of course, I just listened to podcast twenty something, where Josh posted his first question. Oh, that's funny. You were you were posting questions on episode twenty, Josh. I, it, it was a while ago. <laughs> and B, uh, BD, which is me, said a question from Bert One Beetle. <laughs> Did I say that? Yes, you did. I remember that. <laughs> Hello, Bert One Beetle. Yeah. Good job. Uh, BD, the first podcast, you didn't have a sponsor. It was a very few episodes uh, until you mentioned MailOrderComics.com where you were answering a question about how you get your comics. You mentioned them a few more times, and suddenly they were your sponsor. I am curious how this came about. Were you looking for a sponsor and contacted them, or did you mention them, throw some business their way, and they made them contact you? Here's how it works. Uh, I was using Mail Order Comics. It's where I got my comics for years before the podcast. And I thought, you know what? I've got this podcast. It's successful. There's a lot of hits. Why don't I throw a bone to Mail Order Comics and see if they want to sponsor the show? Because I've heard Word, Word Balloon has sponsors. Several other podcasts have sponsors. And I'm like, well, maybe they can help pay the bills for the bandwidth, etc. So I, I sent the numbers of the podcast, how well we're doing. And mail order said, yes, I would like to be your sponsor. And several years later, they still are, and they still order my books from them. So that's how it came about. So make your podcast, get some listeners, get some word of mouth, and uh, submit a proposal to a, a sponsor and see if they'll sponsor your show. Uh, Josh, Don, and Chris, you guys weren't on the podcast from the beginning, but asked many questions, which I assumed helped in being asked to join. How many? How much of a, a thrill was it the first time Brad read your name and asked you your very first question? Had, had you already posted or participated in another podcast besides this one? And if so... And so it wasn't that big a deal, no offense, Brad, or was the first time you heard yourself mentioned in a podcast, like me, we're very excited to hear your name read and questions discussed. I, I must admit, I got a big thrill out of it. So Josh, Don, and Chris, go ahead. Yeah, hundreds of questions and thousands of dollars later, we're on the show. <laughs> There's some pictures of Brad that they have in their possession that um, we all have have, have gotten now as, as, a, as a shareware thing type of thing. So let's... <laughs> I said this before the people. If you want to know how to get on the crawl space, you know, like what I had to do was I had to fly to California <laughs> and get Stan Lee to bless the birth of Brad's daughter. Yeah. And even then, I was only a fill-in. So. <laughs> 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 it, it, it was a thrill because even, you know, being on other podcasts and stuff, crawl space was like... You know, a favorite of mine. So, 
I mean, I'd, I'd always be interested in listening to the questions. And, like, I think I'd get ticked off if, like, you know, they were tired and they just, like, wrote off, like, this thoughtful question in, like, one sentence. Like, why do you hate this story, guys? Because it sucks. Next question. Yeah, that happened to me. <laughs> but sometimes oh. the story did suck. <laughs> well, no, what, I'll talk specifically about Josh. I mean, his knowledge of Spider-Man rivals R, who is asleep right now. But uh, <laughs> no, it's the hookers, Brad. Oh, the hookers are snoring. Okay, but no, J- Josh was Spider Jeopardy, etc. He just uh, brought it. And uh, as far as actually, why am I answering the question for you guys? But I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll hit Don also. He's just a fun, he's a fun dude to be around. Don is, and he's oh. very thoughtful. He brings some. I may disagree with him. He may call. call me as, what, what did you call me that one time with with Felicia the Black? He cat? just said you're effing wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. I'm I like, you know, I thought it was dirty old man. Well, that too, but I still love the guy, and Don's a good guy. And Chris, enough said about Chris. I mean, he's you, that doesn't a, mean you can't think of a reason. No, no, you're, you are you are very intelligent, and you bring a lot to the discussion. And when you, I think you filled in once, and when you did a summation of an issue, I'm like, holy crap, this guy's really good. So that's why I asked Chris to be on the show. But you guys can answer his question. I was just going to – you want me to critique all of you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't critique me, Brad. That's this the, was the uh, first podcast I've ever – I mean, I literally never listened to a podcast before I listened to Crawl Space. So when I, I think when I finally joined and asked a question, it was a, it was a, a, a thrill to hear what my words that I typed in spoken, you know, like acknowledged by people I never knew existed Across the country, so and it's, it's, it's sort of indefinable, but like, yeah, I agree. I, I was I was really thrilled, and I was thrilled for 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 years after that until I started talking to guys on Skype. Yeah. I have no recollection of when my first question was answered. Um, episode one, really? Come on. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I probably I was probably one of the first people to ask a question since I've been listening since the beginning, but I just don't remember what it was and like. Either. But um, but but when I did get a thrill was actually there was one point where I had asked a question and Kevin said that it was the best question that had ever been asked and that yeah. made my day. What what question was that? Um, I think I was like, what kind of story can you tell with superheroes that you can't tell with any other genre? Oh, that's a, that is a good. Question. I remember that one. Love that question. I remember the early, like, well, not the early days on the board, because the board was around for a while, but, like, my early days of posting, I would argue with Kevin and Stella about who should the new Batgirl be back, like, before the 2009 series when they weren't saying who it was. God, have I changed my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, I remember, like, Stella said at the time, like, who is this Stephanie Brown person? I don't want her to be Batgirl, and, like, three and a half, four years later. Yeah. We want uh, Stephanie Hornacek. Brown back. Hornacek. See, I got it right that time. Very good question. I like I, those I questions like, that ask about behind the scenes. I want to quote Kevin's thing, God, have I changed my mind, and like print it out and frame it on my wall. It's <laughs> uh, funny. I, just to interject one thing on that question, I, I've heard yeah. people say before, like, how do you get? How does a person get on the podcast? Like, what's the process? And, Casting couch. Uh, well, <laughs> all seriousness, we all know there's no specific process, but I think if you look at the people that have that have been added to this show, like Don and Josh and uh, and Chris, they're all very obvious why they're here. You know, it's yeah, it's not really true. a hard call. All right. Aw, that's very nice. That's, that's, that's very nice. 
<laughs> that is very nice. Very nice. And Thank I you. guess also we're all friends, which is nice. And it's, it's it's something I look forward to every month is to talk to my buddies about Spider-Man. We've texted a lot since we all joined the show. Yeah, that's true. We it's have actually a text very chain. weird for me, like after all these years of listening to the show, to like look at my contacts list, and there's like Brad Douglas and J.R. Bettinger and Kevin Cushing and Stella Bowman yeah. and Zach Joyner and all of them. Yeah, quite awesome. J.R., uh, uh, real quick, we haven't heard from you. What? Because you were asked to join instantly after that third episode. Because you were so you brought it right there. Well, I just figured you guys are desperate. <laughs> that, my friends, is why exactly why we oh, had him join. Oh my god! All right, the spot from Stroke. My what? favorite Stroke? question Wait ever. For the other ones to take effect. Stoke attempt. All right, group gang Wait brothers and webs. But the fans convinced that Superior won't last, and Peter will return to Marvel, trying to say otherwise with the Superior this and that. Is there any conceivable way that we can that he can stay and have Peter return? Clones. Yep, of course. Doc's going to be around. Peter's going to be around. It's just the journey that we're, we're tuning in. Peter's mind gets stuck in the penguin. Oh, man. All right. Uh, the group gang, brothers and web. If there's any, uh, was such a way for Superior to survive and Peter return, do you think Spock would be a good villain for Spidey? Absolutely. Yeah. I think we've established this. I think we t- answered this question earlier in the episode, really, when I made the statement. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in this recent issue, it was Spock versus Spidey. The both of them fighting in those costumes, you know, together with Art by not Humberto Ramos. That was, <laughs> I mean, that that shows you like the, you know, that he makes a good villain. Even just visually, that was awesome. Right. And another one to the gang. Now that we are eight issues in, nine issues at this point, what are your thoughts on the Superior run as a whole? Are you enjoying it? Have you been surprised by Superior compared to possible thoughts after ASM 700? It's about what I expected, to be honest. And I and I expected like just by Slot's style of writing, there was a, there's been some interesting stuff, but by and large, like it's either it's either a facetious way to kind of tackle this type of story, or it's just been an annoying way to kind of contrive things to happen and. Get people excited and I think I think Don's general generally the most negative of the group towards the title. Would you agree, Don? Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't mean to be that way, but I, I know I consistently yeah. am, and that's just sort of like my perspective on how this sort of pot- story potential, uh, you know, presents itself and how Slot kind of tackles that potential. Right, uh, Chris. Do you think you're now? Na- do you like that you are now the legal guy in the same way Stella was the literature madam? <laughs> I like that. Name. Uh, Jr. is the evil old and bitter married spider guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like having old. Yes, go back to sleep. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yes, I like uh, you, you do get a lot of legal questions, and I think it, it brings up good discussion points, Chris. And you know, it, it bring it comes up a lot because you know we read a comic about a guy fighting crime, and you know, I have I have like I guess you could say expertise. I mean, but not really. I'm a recent law school graduate. I don't have a law degree, hmm? so. Uh, Brad, since you have a reputation of buying nearly everything Marvel puts out and they're still buying it even when it's bad, has there been anything that you've actually dropped, not for financial reasons, if so, why? What did I drop? I dropped that, um, I started purging some X-Men titles a while back. I dropped Astonishing X-Men because it was astonishingly bad. Uh, Did you drop Hulk at one point, I think you mentioned? No, I can't, I I can't make myself drop Hulk. But damn, I should. Uh, (laughs) 
like you know that Red Hulk stuff by Jeff Parker was real damn rough. I I, I considered that. Um, oh, before I'll answer, I'll finish this question up and say Kevin's got to go. So Kevin, fun having you on the show as always. Sir. Yeah, I was really glad I was able to be here. It was. Uh, I think this was a good one. I enjoyed myself. Yeah, no doubt. We enjoyed you. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll, thanks. We'll, we'll be back next month with Kevin. Happy Troy. All right, thanks, sir. Hey guys, have fun. Peace. Alright. That was good. Tune in next time to find out how Kevin hangs up his phone. (laughs) (laughs) Poor bastard. I'm sorry, Kev. It was great having you on. Kick his ass out the door. Uh, What what have I dropped? I dropped that uh, new X Men book that just really wasn't. Really? All new new X Men? The the bottle of water one? No, 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 the one that had X-23. I dropped it right before she caught it, got into the book. I forget who wrote it. It was it spun out of, like, New Mutants and stuff. But not the, the all-new X-Men that's coming out. I, I dropped that one. What else did I drop? Um, well, that's about it. <laughs> just if it, it starts adding up over time that I haven't read it, I'm just... I dropped the Powers book recently. By Bendis, and I like Bendis a lot, but that book just does not come out consistently, and I don't read it consistently. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to save my four bucks. Are Bendis and Batley still doing that, like, uh, brilliant? Brilliant. Yep. Yeah. And that doesn't come out consistently. I, don't, I keep forgetting what happens in the books. So I'm not seeing that since you won, like, a year ago. Yeah, it, it's got, like, three issues or whatever. But, yeah, I'm not that big a fan of that. Uh, let's see. Zach, at what point did you become the butt of so many jokes? Was it something that happened before the podcast started, or did it? You draw the short straw. Well, there was a initiation ritual that has now made its way all the way through the podcast to today. Um, no, actually, it, I'll tell you what it is. It, it's it's um, my good natured personality. I think tends to um, I, I tend to just let things you know not bother me, and I just kind of just take it, whatever. Uh, I also think of you like the little the younger brother. That the older brothers pick on, honestly, uh, is what I you, I tend to with you and me. Uh, yeah, I mean we've known each other for a decade, so there's there's I mean we pick on each other. I mean I pick on you, we pick on me. It's it's a it's, a, it's all in good fun, and I don't hate Zach at all. I think we're good friends. Yeah, excellent. So, wow. Uh, all right, uh, Ultimate Spidey Twenty One from Texas. Speaking of Zach's territory, yes. Crossface Gang. New to the message board, have I been listening to the podcast for a long time? This website is awesome. I enjoy listening to you guys every month. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. JR, you got one. Who All is right. strong? Norman or Peter? I heard somewhere that they have the same strength level, but I just want to ask the goblin expert. Good question. Uh, well, they are fairly evenly matched. Uh, they have fought to a standstill more than once, but I think that ultimately Peter is the stronger one. Um, because I think uh, he's had Norman on the ropes more than the reverse. But sometimes Peter just needs a little little extra to, to uh, overcome his uh, conscientiousness. You know, he needs somebody to say something utterly stupid, like Norman saying he's going to kill his grandson or, or, or Norman killing Gwen, you know. And, and, when, and, when, and when that happens, I, I think that you see that uh, Peter is clearly... Clearly, can be the uh, the stronger one. Right, Don and Bertoni, who is truly superior in terms of gadgetry, intelligence, resources, and technology? Superior Spider-Man or Batman? Batman. <laughs> I'll say Batman. Come on, come on. Yeah, 
when in doubt, go with Batman. But know. Batman is like a synonym for God, so... <laughs> in comics, it is. Yeah. Uh, Brad, how does one join the show? We kind of hit that up, actually. It seems like it would be a hell of a lot of fun. I'm 15 years old, but I'm reading all the comics. I've seen all the TV shows, all the movies, you name it. It would be nice to talk to people about Spider-Man without telling me to shut up. Because not many people I know are interested in Spider-Man as I am. Um, Work your way to the inner circle. Yeah. That, that's another thing, too, <laughs> because, like... I I think it was like the first step was doing Clone Saga Chronicles because then you know I'm doing this podcast with this guy you know who does a podcast with Brad and Brad hears it so he knows how I do and then I talk to Brad on Skype and then I get a review job it's all part of a long five year plan <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry God. I'm sorry God. Zach you were merely a stepping stone that, yeah I was, I was fixing to stay man that, that, that's that's, that's, that's just that's hilarious. Um, uh, best advice is to become friends with me. Uh, my advice to him is um, he's 15 years old. He should contact uh, the, the Griffin guy uh, who does the Superiority podcast because that's a bunch of teenagers podcasting about Spider-Man. And I know that he's starting another podcast about, you know, like cartoons and stuff uh, like uh, the Spider-Man and Avenger one and stuff. So they're of a similar age group, you know. So yeah. I don't know. So yeah, get in look, touch, guys. Look him up. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've been listening to y'all so much that it actually feels like I know y'all. And when I'm listening to the podcast, it feels like I'm actually there laughing with you guys. So that's very nice. Aww. Thank you, sir. Thank you very uh, much. Iron Patriot from China. To JR, another one your, your way, JR. Other than the death of Gwen in the original Clone Saga, the 70s Spider-Man doesn't seem to get talked about as much as the other decades, even the 90s. What are the stories and the characters from that era that you really like? Um, well, I mean, as far as why um, why you don't you think people don't talk about it as much, I think some of it's just a factor of age. I'm not sure um, what the average age of a comic book reader is these days, but it's probably in the twenty something range, and and that would put them coming into the the hobby during the 1990s or the early 2000s. And uh, I think I think you know once you get past your 20s or early 30s, most of the people start dropping off again. And once they, once you hit middle age, which is where you get the guys who came in in the 70s, I think that's a fairly much smaller population, which is probably why you don't, you know, you don't hear as much, many people talking about the 70s. Uh, as far as what I liked, uh, about that, well, it was, I mean, it was a fairly good era. I mean, you had, uh, I, I would say, you know, the entire Conway run, you know, mm-hmm. he has to be on your must read list. Uh, you know, he had the original Clone Saga, for example. Um, you know, uh, Marv Wolfman's run, I thought was very good. Uh, characters, you know, the Black Cat, obviously, probably is one yeah. of the most notable characters to come out of the 70s. Uh, the Jackal was actually Jackal. a good villain or, originally when he was Miles Warren, you know, and then he got, then during the, the second Clone Saga, he got turned into a furry Joker ripoff. Who made yeah. incredibly bad puns, but the original conception concept of the jackal I thought was pretty good. So. Yeah, uh, Big Al from Ed Guerre to the clone experts. That would be all the younger members besides Jr. and myself. Okay. Uh, to the clone experts, can any of you come up with a universe explanation beyond bad writing for why Kane in the trial of Peter Parker was willing to let Ben die in Peter's place, even though this would ruin Peter's life? Did the hatred, his hatred of Ben, just outweigh his love for Peter? He answered his own question, really, because that's that's kind of what it boils down to. He just absolutely detested Ben to 
such a degree that he was willing to set that aside. I mean, he he did stop Peter from unmasking, so there was a, some compassion for Peter, but he was really he didn't care. He wanted just Ben dead and eliminated. It was Betty okay. Brandt's fault. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Donovan. I recently began listening to the Spectacular Webs. And I enjoyed very much. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any idea how I can listen to some of the earlier episodes? iTunes and Podomatic don't have any episodes before Doc Ock's debut. I think the Crawlspace might have some of those early episodes, although I wouldn't bet on it. No, because those are linked to Podomatic. Yeah, I don't. I didn't host those. Um, yeah, I mean, I, we found it a week ago because we, um, we Don and I actually listening because we're like, let's hear Don's very first podcast. And it was on Comic Book Crazy, which is Thomas Mattis's website. He moved them over to there. Yeah, yeah the, with, I with Thomas Mattis. Doesn't he host the files? Yeah, Thomas does what he wants. Um, yeah, Thomas <laughs> Mattis. Uh, he's he's lean hard. He's actually on this board uh, or, or or friend Thomas Mattis on Facebook. Uh, here's a smug picture of him on, on Facebook. And um, if you, if you Google yellow Thomas shirt, crazy. If, yeah, come out crazy. You can find them. You know, if you, if you find Thomas Mattis, you'll find these episodes. I'm glad you, you enjoyed it. Well, yeah. And you can you can find a large man in a yellow shirt. You found Thomas Mattis. <laughs> we all know you have a little little love for the Clone Saga, but besides the Revelation storyline, the Phil Urich Green Goblin or Amazing 400, were there any issues, stories, characters, or any ideas from the Clone Saga you were partial to? Huh. Well, at the, at the risk of permanently uh, alienating Zach, um, <laughs> I, I I just felt that the Clone Saga were was where a colossal amount of bad ideas uh, were given life. I mean, you know, Judas Traveler and the host. You know, I mean, oh, he's interesting. Oh, very interesting. Yes, indeed, interesting. Bears further study. Yes, indeed. You know, that kind of nonsense. Spider side, you know, n- you know, nothing. Need the furry jackal, um, the high evolutionary, the stealing, altering, and then returning Professor Warren's diaries back to where they were. You know, I mean, I, I think that even beats uh, Norman Osborn's outlandishness at times. And then, what can you say about maximum clonage? Um, well, one thing I mean, that it, he didn't mention in his his list: lost years. That was very good, Jared. Did you like that? I, uh, you know, I Deep barely skimmed. I barely skimmed over last year, so I really couldn't offer an opinion yeah. of it one way or the other. Okay, I recommend that 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 you go back and when you ever get you, whenever you get a chance, I would I would that would be the one I would. I, would I think you would really like it, Jr. Lost Years was in the first trade of the Clone Saga, and I just recently read that within the last couple of years. Solid, that's solid. Uh, Jr. and Brad, all right. What did you think of the Alien Costume Saga when you first read it, and what did you think of the '90s innovation that brought it out the host dark side? Well, um, the dark side, the dark side was always there, wasn't it? Oh, I mean, like, not you! Too. <laughs> no. hit, hit, hit me with it! Hit me! What, In the '90s show <laughs> is the first iteration of. The costume negatively affecting Peter Parker's personality in the comics. All it did was basically use his body when he was sleeping, like, like your average prison cellmate. Right. Well, when it got venom, is when it was evil, right? I mean, that's. Well, no, Eddie Brock was evil. Eddie Brock was evil, and it. Oh, okay. Jr. Jr. could talk about this because he wrote about it in his articles. Hit it, Jr. Uh, well, I mean, when, when Spider-Man's black costume first came out, I thought that was just about one of the coolest things I'd seen in some Me too. time. I really, 
I really liked the costume, and I, I liked the fact that it, it was different. It responded to his thoughts and other things like that. Uh, when it became the, the alien symbiote, uh, you know, then it started getting into, you know, not Spider-Man territory. You know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man's better off fighting, you know, costume clowns and gangsters and stuff. And, and, and you know, aliens and magic are not his thing. Uh, and then, like, yeah, like was said, I mean, I wrote about Venom, the, and Venom just, I understand why Venom was popular. I mean, I didn't at first, you know, until I went back and wrote that article. And now I think I understand why Venom was popular. But I, I, he just, uh, he just got ruined. I mean, his popularity yep. became, you know, his, his, you know, his popularity became his his biggest cross to bear, and um, you know, he just was was written into the ground. Um, I mean, I like the costume. But you know, once it, once we started doing alien symbiotes, I I started losing interest. Uh, all did any of you read the Mister and Mrs. Spider-Man segments of Spider-Man Family and Amazing Spider-Man Family? If so, what'd you think of them? I thought they were fun. They're they're kind of like a continuation of Spider Girl. They're okay. Cool. I liked them. I think that there was a lot riding on them and a lot of pressure because. It was, you know, all you people who say that you want a married Spider-Man, you know, because this was like within the first year of Brand New Day. It was like here, you know, and then there was like the pressure from fans like, oh, man, if this thing doesn't sell, then, you know, Marvel's going to think that, you know, we're all talk and, you know, no <laughs> money. And it's and, there right, was, yeah. and people like there was a lot of pressure on fans like, OK, we must like these stories and like universally praise them. It's it was a very different yeah. time. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it was written by DeFalco and penciled by Friends. I mean, that's quality yeah. right there. I like both of them. Uh, let's see. Chris, considering he is one of your favorite villains, have you ever read Maximum Carnage? If so, what did you think about it? Um. Well, I know I at least read the ones that are were in the, – the chapters that were in Amazing Spider-Man because those would have been on the DVD-ROM that has all the issues of Amazing – I don't think I've actually ever bothered to track down the uh, various other titles in that crossover. So I'm probably not the best person to judge the story as a whole. But honestly, from what I did read, it didn't leave as much of an impression as other Carnage stories I like better, like such as his first appearance. Yeah, It was just padded out, wasn't it, JR? We read it in the 90s when it came out on the stand. Oh, God. I mean, I mean, yeah. quality. I mean, it was just, it, it was just big. What, Jr. The guy at the hotel said to talk, talk on the phone. <laughs> Ven, Ven, Venom and Pals. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, whose book is this? But it's, you know, Venom it starts off saying yeah. Venom and Pals. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Uh, Bertoni, why does no one ever talk about the time Flash punched Shashan, and was it out of character for him? No, he was pretty mean to her anyway. Well, actually, this is one of the more interesting questions that we've had this month, because yeah. one thing that I was realizing when I did the Benny and Flash articles, um, I was going to say last year, but at this point it's been almost like two years since I did that like relationship retrospective, is at the time that Flash did it, like his family history hadn't been established. You know, in fact, like, they even reckoned who his dad was, because at one point his dad was a scientist like Peter, and that's why he hated Peter. And then, like, it was reckoned, well, Flash is, is lying. But now that we know that his dad hit him and abused him, 
and you know that Flash has these dependency problems with alcohol, it makes perfect sense that Flash slaps Shashan around. It's actually like a very it it's like an accidental retcon that makes sense. And I thought that that was brilliant. And I, I almost wish that they would have touched on that in the Rick Remender Venom series. Cause like you'd have like flash remembering his dad hitting him. And then like, he'd be like, yes. And the cycle continued. And then he'd remember yelling at Betty. And it's like, well, what do you mean? Like, you know, like he, he actually hit a girlfriend. That's like, that's brilliant symmetry that happened by accident. So, I mean, I think it's perfectly in character for him. And the reason why no one mentions it is because uh, supporting characters get away with lots of shit. Yep, no doubt. TNR, location, rightening that which once went wrong. To the gang, if anyone's seen it through the opening weekend or nefarious means Iron Man 3, what did you think of the twist? How did you like the resolution, the cameo after the credits? Not spoiling it, I think BD will like it. No one's seen it on the podcast. 24 hours. I'm going to go see it tomorrow, actually. Yeah, so, so am I. I have heard Friday there's night. a huge twist with the Mandarin, which apparently might piss people off, but I don't know what it is. Yep. We're recording this on May 2nd, which is a Wednesday. And it, we started on May 1st. <laughs> we did start on May 1st, did we not? Hold <laughs> <laughs> on, oh, May 2nd, what? Oh, that's hilarious. All right, to anyone that's seen it, the Thor 2 trailer, do, do anything to get you hyped? Did do anything okay. to get you hyped? That's good. Yep. I liked it. I'm down. I'm down. Cap 2, set picks of the new Secret Avengers-esque suit. Sebastian Stan's Bucky hair and Scarlett Johansson. Yum. Why? Um, I added the yum. Uh, <laughs> I, don't I, don't, I don't care for the uh, Secret Avengers cap suit. Yeah, yeah I, like the, I like the Avengers one. I, th- I thought that was fine. I, I, don't... I think the Avengers one's fine, too. Maybe a little tweaks here and there, but I don't think it was broke in Avengers. Yeah, I don't, but... I don't get this new suit at all. You know what? They need to sell action figures. Yeah, that's why. Batman. Yep. Uh, Steve J. Rogers with a broken av- <laughs> Steve J. Rogers with a broken avatar. Fix that, sir. Uh, New-, New York City. Uh, Don, do you think Marvel now has succeeded as an answer to DC's New 52? Uh, yes, one, because it's not pissed me off, although I'm more of a DC guy right now. And two, because I think that like the, uh, the, it's not – I don't know if it's as in- nearly incoherent as New 52 – I, mean, I, I think I honestly think lately DC is like falling apart as a company. Gang with the whole one more day omit mess and what went down in Superior Nine is it me or does it seem that the current regime at Marvel is more interested in stories for shock value with no rhyme reason and end games in mind as compared to other eras, i.e. the nineties. That's a really Wait, bad that's, comparison. That's a bad comparison to the nineties. <laughs> I think he's right. Uh, I I think they're. Um, they're, they are there for shock value because unless you have an issue one or an issue 700, uh, the ones in between get kind of lost on the stands and the sales are going down. So they have to do shock. They have to do crossovers because they sell. I don't so, think that yeah. there's any writer that like goes into writing a story thinking, I'm just going to do a shock value thing. I think that in their heads, you know, they're all like, you know, crafting stories. What's actually coming on paper might not be the effect that they're going for in their heads, though. An example is Morbius. The, I mean, it launched just... It's so forgetful. I don't know. Uh, Spider-Mon. JR, I used to frequent Spidey Kicks Butt all the time, and your articles were really well thought out and still helped me kill some time every once in a while. I know you updated your top ten worst Spider-Man stories. Spider-Mon. You forgot the hyphen. Anyway, uh, when one more day originally hit, but were there any recent storylines that you think could be a contender for the crown of the top ten worst Spider-Man stories? 
Uh, well, um, first of all, uh, thank you very much. Um, I know uh, it's it's always nice to know that uh, that I help you kill a lot of time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the. I don't know that any story, first of all, is ever going to top one more day for being awful, uh, and oh, not man. just because of the out, not just because well, uh, not just because of the outcome. I mean, it's just an awful idea story that's just poorly executed, uh, and it was motivated, you know, it was motivated by pettiness and narrow-mindedness, you know. And I, th- I think that a lot of writers could have come up, could have come, could have got to the same outcome. They told a lot better story than what was done. But um, if I had to add any, if I had to, if any could be added to the list, uh, I probably would add omit, but it would be like one more day slash omit. You know, I wouldn't give them two spots in the top ten. I would just, you know, make them both the number one worst story because they're they're really kind of the same story almost. And they're both just as bad and appalling. Um, as far as... I mean, as far as being able to crack the top ten most recent uh, for recent stories, uh, I think you'd have to talk about Shed. I don't know that it would do it, nope. but but uh, Shed <laughs> Shed is definitely definitely would be in the conversation. I mean, because that was just an appalling piece of shit. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was it was all about. It was all about sexual overtones, and again, which is not, you know, sex was always part of, is going to be part of stories because sex is part of being human, but it was just, it was almost like the writer <laughs> was sexual, he was just sexually obsessed with everything, you know, I mean, it started with, with Kirk Connor sniffing his lab assistant, and, you know, yeah. then it, uh, you know, and then he, uh, was this the one where he ignored 40 years of stories and forgot the lizard talked, or was that? Uh, yeah. 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 And then, and then the idea of the lizard killing and eating his son. I mean, uh, yep. yeah. you know, once, I mean, to me, that was the end of the character. That had to be the end of the character. Uh, so, I mean, I could go on, but I mean, Shed, it, I don't know that Shed would crack the top ten, but it would definitely get into the conversation. Well, Superior Spider-Man too, like the Superior Spider-Jizz. Oh, I'm out. JR, do you remember what is currently your tenth, like, worst story? It would be interesting uh, to see if Shed well, would be worse than that, because that would answer the question. Well, it's, it's hard It's hard to say. It's been a while since I've looked at it, and I know that Maximum Carnage is in there, I think. I think Maximum Carnage is number I'd 10. Have to, but, I'd have to pull up the list of his top Maximum 10. Clonage is in there, too. Your review of the well, Howard Mackey story where they reveal that the goblin was the clone of nobody, uh, I love that review so much, and I would read it out loud to my sister, and she would crack up laughing. Okay, here, I'll, I'll read them real quick. I just pulled up your website, JR. Number 10 is Maximum Carnage. Number 9 is Amazing Spider-Man 210, the introduction of Madam Web. Boy, you've hated her for a long time. Well, uh, part, number of that eight... too was, part of that, too, was Denny O'Neill just shitting on all of Marv Wolfman's subplots. <laughs> you know, I just, he, threw, he, threw, he just threw them all out, you know, in, in, in a very bad way, but anyway. Yeah. Number 8 is Spectacular Spider-Man 74 with uh, Deb Whitman. Yeah, we eviscerated that one on the podcast a little while back. Spectacular Spider-Man 86 to 87, where Felicia can't take what's underneath the mask. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Ama- number six is Amazing Spider-Man 289. JR hates that one. 
Uh, number five is Sensational 32 to 33, Amazing 440 to 441, Spider Man 97 to 98, and Spec Spidey 262 to 663. The Gathering of the yes, Five. The final chapter. Yeah. The final chapter. Oh. JR also hated at number four, Amazing Spider Man Volume 2, number 13. Is this where she blows up in a plane, Mary Jane? Yep. Yep, I, yep, I agree. Uh, the whole goddamn clone saga is number two, or number three. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> is that oh, what wow. he actually says, the whole goddamn clone saga? <laughs> yeah. I, I picked specific stories. The power and responsibility, I thought, was just awful. Because yeah, that was where Peter was just made out to be. Peter was just made out to be a little whiny pussy, just so Ben Riley could look better. You know that kind of thing. Aww. I remember talking about that. Yeah. Number two on Jr's list is Amazing Spider-Man Volume Two, Number Eighteen, and Peter Parker Volume Two, Eighteen. This is the Fifth Goblin, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, that's just no payoff. And number one, you just mentioned it, Jr. One more day. That's your yeah. number one least favorite. Amazing yeah. 544 to 545. Yeah. yeah. I might, these days, I, I'm not sure. I might, I don't, I don't know. I might drop amazing number 210. Um, because yeah. I think there's some things that are probably, I mean, I think Shed is worse than that. Uh, but, but I don't know. I, I hate to, I hate to have them just to be all recent stories. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. it's easy to it's take stories easy. from the 90s and, and say everything was, you know, everything since, X has been bad, you know, so. Yeah. I'm glad to read that. That was kind of fun, Jerry. Uh Let's see, where was I? Uh, Kevin, our answer. It was that. about JR's oh. site. Uh, it's a Spider Mom. Okay, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, to everyone, uh, what would you say is Peter's best job? If he could only be one thing, would you think you'd want him as a photographer, a scientist, or a high school teacher? Teacher. Photographer. Yeah, photographer. Photographer for a website, a, a news website, I think now, like they do in Ultimate. But they never really did anything with this job there, honestly. Uh, spider Spider, first post. Hooray! All of you, what are your opinions on Spider-Man 2099? I love the series and want to hear you guys' thoughts. After another thing, I'd like to hear what you guys thought of Maximum Carnage. <laughs> Yet another thing I love. Thanks, I love all of you. We love you, okay? too. I love Thank you more. You. <laughs> well, JR absolutely adores Maximum Carnage, as we just talked about. Uh, <laughs> it's on his top ten list of awesome Spider-Man stories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, I, I, when we started this show yesterday, uh, <laughs> recording this show, uh, Kevin and I talked a bit about Spider-Man 29. I love that series a lot. It's Peter David, Rick Leonardi on art. Very good story. I actually thought I was overrated, uh, but never mind. <laughs> And, and, and Mr. Spider Historian, that's Bertoni's weak spot, isn't it? Twenty ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really familiar with that series. <laughs> Jr. read it back in the nineties. I remember you, you talking about that. I think you liked. Yeah, it. Yeah, I, I I got most of the run. I mean, I I really I enjoyed the first year or so when you know Peter David was introducing this not to just the character, but just to this future and how it worked and what the social mores were and stuff. But yeah. But before too long, it started doing the crossovers with the other 2099 titles and and doing weird shit like making Doom president, you know, stuff like the Ultimate Universe has done when it's finally jumped the shark. So, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, Maximum Carnage. Uh, Kevin answered this a little bit earlier. Uh, Favorite and least favorite characters in the Spidey Rogues Gallery. Goblin and Doc Ock and Venom are my three. 
favorites, least favorite. Um, God, I don't know. Freak. Freak, there you go. Thank you. Menace. You complete me, Zach. <laughs> Overdrive, I hate that bastard. Favorite, Anybody else? Uh, okay, hold on. I, I don't... Here's the thing that I would dispute about, like, answers like Overdrive, is that they're not... Like, they might be lame, but has there ever been, like, an Overdrive story that really offended you or disgusted you or anything like that? <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know, like... Like that's true. I, I, well, it's true. I, yeah. Well, that one more, what, that one free comic book day, I thought was just dumb. Yeah, but I mean, did the fact that Overdrive was was in it make it as bad as it was? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> I guess I, I don't know. I think there are other reasons. What, what is his power? He can drive a car. He has. I mean, what is he, he has? Can pimp out any vehicle. Yeah, he, he, can, he calls them his nano pimps. And he, okay. that is terrible. That, that's actually nope. dialogue. He uses nano pimps to trick out sweet rides. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> like exhibit on H, on MTV. Yeah. Yo dog, I heard you like pimps. Yo dog, I'm going to pimp out your His stick right. too was that he was a Spider-Man fanboy. Like when he got webbed, he's like, and it says your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's like to the cops, can I keep that? And I think that that's been dropped. I don't remember that being dealt with when he recently appeared in Superior. He called, like, the big wheels vehicle, like, the coolest getaway car ever, so I think they are keeping maybe, like, he's a fanboy as an aspect of his character. But maybe he was that's specifically just... a Spider-Man fanboy. Like, yeah. he had memorabilia in his car and was, like, wow. very, very in awe of Spider-Man. I don't remember that. Wow. Oh, yeah. Maybe I, do, maybe I do remember, like, Spider-Man Dice or something from the mirror. I like Venom. Uh, I don't like Vulture. There you go. Can I, can I answer this question? Yeah, yeah go ahead, buddy. Because I was thinking about what my least favorite... My favorite villain is uh, Doc Ock. Um, my least favorite, though, it's a, it's a struggle because... There, on one hand, I want to say the Queen, because every story she's been in has been yeah. horrible. Yeah. Um, and, like, and I like yeah. you can't... And, like, oh, that's why I say, like, when I hear Overdrive or even, like, Screwball or anything like that. I'm like, yeah, these are lame villains, but are their stories just, like, they make you question whether or not you want to keep reading comics? And I don't think they do for me, at least. Uh, But, when I I read the first Queen story, like, uh, it was, like, ten years ago or something when that came out, I don't really remember. No, it's been that long. No, I think it was, like, 2004 or 5 or something, but it was... Yeah, it was was during Paul Jenkins... uh, I think when they redid rebooted Spectacular, Spider-Man. everyone gets a clunker, and that yeah. was Paul Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just stopped reading comics for at least three months because I just couldn't bring myself to even look at one after that. It was so bad. So, but then, like, do I want to use a character that's really only been in two stories for to answer that question? So, if I wanted to pick like a long running Spider-Man villain, I would go with the Lizard, just for the reasons that everybody else always gives. His, his kind of one trick pony. Yeah. Uh, JBL 1031. Uh, Brad, was there ever a point in your life when you stopped reading Spider-Man comics? I have not stopped reading Spider-Man comics since I picked up my first one, like, in 77, 78. I've been reading them consistently. That there, there, there was a time that I considered dropping Amazing Spider-Man when the, the whole Dan Slott fight happened on my website. And I, I wanted to boycott the books, but I like Spider-Man more than I do Dan Slott. 
So that's right. That's, that's that's where we are with that. That was the <laughs> and literally the only in thirty plus years of reading Spider Man comics I ever considered. I remember being at work and you text me, I'm gonna yeah. drop the books and I was like, What are you talking about? What about the site? And you're like, I guess yeah. I would end it and I was like, You're scoring with me, Douglas <laughs> End the damn thing, but I'm gonna outlast. Uh DJR, have you read Bendis's Death of Spider Man story arc? And if so, what'd you think of it? Never read it. No interest. Ultimate Universe. I parted ways with the Ultimate Universe several years ago, and I have long since stopped caring about what happens in it. To everyone, what's your thoughts on the upcoming Superman movie? Are you optimistic about it? And here's the latest trailer, by the way. I think it looks great. Dude. See, my exposure to Superman is Christopher Reeve. And Superman is... I I worry that they're going very too dark with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you mean? No, it looks that, that, that that's been a constant criticism. Like that's what everyone says. Like it's too dark. He's not wearing underwear on the outside anymore. I, don't I shit like, you not. No one said dark. that. Like, is he investigating well, murder? Like, what's going on? Well, I mean, doesn't Superman? It, Superman is more Spider-Man-ish. What's um, he's, he's he's more happy. He's more bright. Spy, he's not Spider-Man is a like is a story that starts with the kid's uncle getting shot to death, and it's the kid's fault. And then it proceeds into like a never-ending spiral of tragedy. So, I <laughs> well, Superman starts with a planet exploding. Yeah, I just complimented Chris about how he's great on the show, and he's busted my balls twice in under ten minutes. I love it. Sorry, <laughs> no, this is what happens when I just get really, really tired. No, it's all good. It's, uh, I, I'm not going to argue with your point either. That's pretty good. <laughs> but he doesn't let that bother him, does he, Chris? No, I think he he lets it bother him so much that it's his entire motivation for everything. <laughs> <laughs> Douglas, you were just digging yourself in. Yeah, you opened yourself up for that one. The lawyer had lost. Uh, Spider Gopher 24 from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Don and Josh, what are your thoughts on this idea? Is Dan Slott crafting a Nightfall-esque story, being a story to show how, in the end, just why Peter Parker is the best Spider-Man? I think it's possible, but like at this point, I honestly don't give Dan Slott that much credit. <laughs> I wouldn't call it Nightfall-esque, because Nightfall had, like, a very specific act structure. He's talking um, about, like, the whole point of, like, Jean-Paul Valley compared to Batman. That's how it started. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that in the end, that's what it's going to be. Like, all the stuff that Ock is doing, like the spider, you know, bots spying on everyone and all these things that's superior. We're going to see that, like, uh, Peter is the better Spider-Man, that this is going to crumble around Ock, and... I feel like for all of Dan Slott's faults, I think he is a Spider-Man Peter Parker fan. I, I don't think that, you know, like some people online do that, like, he, you know, he's a, he likes Doc Ock more than Spider-Man and he's writing this to like, you know, show. I don't think that Dan Slott's that petty and unprofessional that he would write agree. a book about a character. But like that, that would be like if I was to write Batman and, and like then make a whole book about how the Riddler's better than Batman, and you know Batman's in, that's an unprofessional thing to do when you're given a character's book, and I I don't think that with everything that we've known about Dan Slott all these years that he hates Spider-Man that much. I'm, I might agree, but although I mean, there are times where I don't know what to think, but I would hope to agree with that. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Spider Gopher um, joined, has six posts. I guess he joined in January, but welcome to the board nonetheless. Uh, Lockdown is our final poster. We've got several questions at the gang. First one at me. What is Ava's favorite superior Spider-Man collectible at the moment? Superior Spider-Man collectible? I 
I don't own any superior Spider-Man collectibles, <laughs> but uh, her favorite Spider-Man toy uh, that she likes is the uh, little itsy bitsy spider. Uh, you hit his foot and he sings. And he does the antsy Betsy spider crawl up. <laughs> she loves that thing, and I have him on top of my long boxes. She asks to bring him down. I also have a uh, Rock'em Sock'em Hulk or something like that, and he kind of dances. And you hit the Hulk's big green toe, and he dances, and his hands move, and she likes to play with them. So those are two of her favorites. And Oh, I, another favorite Ava uh, Spider-Man-related thing is um, I saw it in the uh, the clothes aisle a couple years ago, and I, I think I – no, I, I she was still – she was a, a, a just a, a newborn, but I, I saved it until she was able to, to wear it. It's a Spider-Man pajama set with web pits, and she loves the web pits. She'll go around and say, Daddy, look, web pits, web pits. Really? And I'm like – yeah, it's awesome. I, I just love it. It's so cute. Hmm. And uh, the other day she was watching the Muppet movie, the most recent one, and she was dancing, and her web pits were flapping, and she was like, web pits, web pits. I just think Aww. it's so cute. So, all right, JR, uh, after seeing both Electro and the Rhino, now who do you think will be a more effective villain for Amazing Spider-Man 2? I, oh, I, I mean, I think Electro. I mean, uh, I've, I've been interested in seeing Electro as a movie Spider-Man villain for some time because I think he could be, he could work really well in the modern special effects era. I just don't. I mean, the Rhino is just a big lumbering thug, basically. He's the, you know, like like you guys have always said over the years. You know what Spider-Man movies need is to bring up a lame villain in the first five minutes, you know, and have a superhero fight. And then the Rhino's one of those. I don't. I don't know how they're going to fit him in this movie, but. Mm, whatever. Well, he'd be neat to throw cars around, etc. I don't know. What, what if he actually never puts on the suit and like his his nickname is just a rhino? He just only he only has a cameo. No, that would be bad. They would they wouldn't hire a big actor like Paul Giamatti and not put him in a suit. But anyway, <laughs> cut to a year later. <laughs> I can't believe they only hired Paul Giamatti to put on not put on the suit. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and we're gonna end the question not about Spider Man. Aiming at Don. It always is Don. <laughs> When are we getting together, Don, and making an Avatar video comic book review, and what should we review? What is Avatar? What are we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> All right, then. That's the show. Oh. Good night. <laughs> uh, you, it, you know, it would, it would be fun if we did a video review of the Spider-Man, Batman comic books. It would be fun. I like, like the crossover comic books. Yeah, there you go. All right, uh, wrap it up uh, with recommendations real quick. Uh, Chris, what do you got this month? Um, I enjoyed the movie The Place Beyond the Pines. Um, has Ryan Gosling, Bradley Cooper, and, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Dane DeHaan, who's going to be Harry Osborn in um, Amazing Spider-Man 2, and he's, he's pretty good. Uh, it's sort of like a... The movie's a little hard to describe without spoiling it because it has three distinct acts that focus on different characters, but it starts with Ryan Gosling as a motorcycle stunt rider who takes up robbing banks. So, That's not familiar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anything else, sir? Um, I think that's it. Okay. Uh, Don, what do you recommend this month? Um. Netflix has had a serious influx of car- old Cartoon Network shows in the last like ten or fifteen oh, years yeah. or so. Like Dexter's Laboratory is up there. Exactly. Like like I've been yeah. marathoning Dexter's Lab like a mofo for the last like 
three weeks. My wife loves that show. Like, <laughs> I, I, I loved it when I was a kid, and like as an adult, it's just it's just so much funnier. Like, I don't know if it's just the style of the directing. It is like I think that Dexter's Laboratory is like honestly, barring the superhero cartoons, like like the best kids show of the the entire decade of the nineties. It is mm-hmm. so much fun. I'm like, even if there's not even if there's episodes I like more than others, like every single episode. It's just fun to watch, and it's just so funny and interesting and and cool. And like, I would recommend everybody wa- stop what they're doing and watch that right now. Omelette du fromage. Yeah, exactly. So many, so the shorts end with like a bad ending, or you can end the short like just Dexter sobbing and like there's no resolution. It's just funny. Yeah. Anything else, sir? Uh, a good night's sleep. There you go. I recommend sleep also. Zach, what do you got? Uh, well, one sleep. Um. The fact that we recorded this in two days. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Two-day marathon podcast yeah. recording. Um, I recommend um, May, May Snow. That, that That's a recommendation. Uh, a what? M- Snow in May. Come on. Oh, May Okay. There you go, Chris. Um, I also will recommend to the highest of order, unless the final two episodes just completely suck, um, Arrow absolutely has been a phenomenal show and uh, really, really good. And I'm really excited for season two. Season one hasn't okay. wrapped up yet. That's it. Cool. Oh, and Clone Saga Chronicles, new episode sometime this month. Okay. Uh, Josh. Okay, um, this is something that uh, I'm very excited because it's never happened to me before, but uh, I, it, at least for this particular person. But I got a review copy in the mail uh, from for the reissue of Paul McCartney's Wings Over America album. And I've gotten on review stuff in the mail before. I've never gotten one from Paul McCartney. And I'm not going to lie. I'm the, I'm not a professional person. I saw the envelope and I screened. And yes, I noticed he didn't like, you know, sign it and seal it deliver, and deliver it just for me. But to be acknowledged on that level, you know, by that company, you know, to, wow. to actually be getting that stuff for review, that's great. But Wings Over America, that was a 1976, uh, live concert album that they did and it like went you know platinum and everything and there was some hits from it and it was like it was actually his biggest tour since the beatles and it's his biggest tour that he's ever done that wasn't a beatles tour in terms of importance and it's being released um later on this month and i have a copy before it came out so i'm psyched about that but it's the the reissue that they're doing the package that it's in it is a really really nice thing with like lots of bonus features it it puts these like dvd bonus features to shame that you usually see a mm-hmm. uh, lot lots of goodies and they're also like re-releasing the concert film later this month and i'm going to be uh i'm going to be uh helping uh one of the radio guys uh co-host it um when they do it in fort lauderdale so if anyone in the fort lauderdale area is around on i think it's may 16th uh, check out Rock Show at the Fort Lauderdale Film Festival and say hi to me if this podcast is out before then. <laughs> and my other recommendation is, God help me, I can't believe I decided to recommend <laughs> this, but yeah, Don, no. it's a comic, and it's not Marvel, and it's not DC, and it's not Walking Dead. But uh, What company is it from? Yeah, it, 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 I'm going to see if you guys can take a guess. Not Marvel, DC, or Walking Dead. Boom. No. Dark Horse. No. Honey press. 
Kid got him out. Archie. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Um, Archie's oh, never no, been recommended no, no, no. on this show. What are we recommending? Exactly. Um, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> apparently, like, um, a few years ago, they did that, like, Archie. They, they actually did a cop-out. Like, Archie's finally going to choose and get married. But, like, they had him choose both, and it's, like, an alternate reality. And they did an ongoing series, like, based on this alternate, like, reality where he marries each of the girls. And... It's like he's somewhat, living in an alternate reality polygamist compound. Well, like it's <laughs> the first half of the book is like the reality where he marries Veronica, and the second half is the reality where he marries Betty. He and with the time streams. Well, you joke about that. There was like they actually did a storyline where like the time streams split, and like he goes into the <laughs> other dimension, and they have to save all of reality. It was really weird for an Archie story, and th- there's some weird stuff in there but it's it's very very different than what i'm used to the archie comics doing which is you know these like mad libs adventures where everything is stays the same as it is this is an evolving soap opera where like these characters are going on journeys and where the characters are now in issue 20 something is different than where they were in issue one uh people die not a lot though people get shot people people are evolving and moving forward and it's not what I expect from these characters, but it has its pitfalls. My, my, my complaint is even though there's like, you know, conflict and, you know, even villains and stuff, all of these characters are still very, very, very vanilla, very, very like, Oh, you know, we must do this cause it's the right thing. And, you know, honesty and friendship and integrity. Would you, do you have a problem with honesty, friendship and integrity? Heck yeah. <laughs> How long you know me? I actually think I have a cup with at least two of those words on it. Like, I got it when I, when I was inducted into the bar. When you, when you swallowed your grogs of beer. <laughs> Anything else, sir? No, I'm good. Okay. JR. Uh, well, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back 30 years for this okay. recommendation because I had a chance to rewatch it a couple of times because uh, just for shits and grins and it made good background noise while I was trying to get some stuff done. But uh, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Um, it's just it's it's uh, you know it's my favorite Star Trek movie. It's just it's it's very comic booky. It's it's one some, of that again. It, eh, it, it it I don't know. It depends on your perspective whether or not it's starting to get dated. I mean, but it's just got a, a great almost immortal performance by Ricardo Montalban. You know, and I'm, and you know, I just think that you know, considering the next couple of weeks, I think you just need to pop it in and watch it. Just yep. say it. I I hope Cumberbatch is con. I really do. Oh, I already know the answer to that, but uh, I won't spoil it for you. Well, how do you know the answer? You haven't seen it yet. Or have I know every goddamn thing about Star Trek. But no, no <laughs> I didn't see the answer. <laughs> oh, he, now, the, turns on me. Oh, my God. The answer, <laughs> no, the, the answer's already out. The movie's already premiered in, like, uh, Australia and Russia and Germany. And, I mean, there are, review, there are reviews all over the place. I mean, the movie's out. You've been um, spoiled who the match is. Huh? You've been spoiled who the villain is. I haven't been spoiled. I knew who it was. It just, um, I, it, it'll be interesting. It's a completely different take, but it should be interesting. It's, it's getting very good reviews so far. 
Oh, good. I can't wait. JR, uh, Brad, Brad has a bet with Kevin. Like, he has to, like, I, sing a song to Zach. I have to sing a song to Zach, and what, well, I forget what the other bet was. I only have Kevin on the no, line. No, I just had to profess my love, or your love for me. I had to profess my love for you in song, right? Yes. If he okay. is not con. Okay, I got it. All right. Uh, JR, don't anything be else? Taking any, don't be taking any singing lessons. <laughs> oh, oh. You, won't need, you, won't need, you won't need them. Oh, JR. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Um, who else? Who else haven't we recommended? Who did I miss? You? Me. Oh. <laughs> I forgot myself. Yeah. There. Uh, the movie uh, Crudes. I saw that. It stars Gwen Stacy, Ghost Rider, and Deadpool. I think. Uh, <laughs> the Crudes is a very fun movie. Uh, it reminds me very Pixar-ish. Uh, a lot of fun. Ava enjoyed. I enjoyed it. We saw it last weekend. Uh, times. Uh, TV shows. Uh, Bates Motel. I think is very very good. If you like the uh, Alfred Hitchcock Psycho, this gets into the mind of Norman uh, Osborne. No, not Norman Osborne. Norman Bates. <laughs> I got my Normans confused. Uh, and uh, Norma Bates. Bates. Uh, Game of Thrones is uh, about four or five episodes in on HBO. I'm enjoying that a lot. I purchased a. Uh, this is Spider-Man related because he sang on the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack. Michael Bublé put out a new album uh, called To Be Loved. It's very good. I'm enjoying that. If you like uh, old school music like Sinatra-ish, uh, mixed in with a bit of modern, pick up Michael Bublé's To Be Loved. Very good. Yes, sir. Very good uh, CD or MP3, whatever. All right, gang, that's a wrap. Final thoughts before we go. Chris, final thought. <laughs> um, good night. Uh... God bless. Yeah, good. Like all, all that, all that good stuff. I'm, I'm practicing. How many hours do you have to be up? Uh, five. So you get five hours of sleep. All right. Good night, sir. Donovan. Final thoughts. Mm, well, um, <laughs> bye. All right, Jr. Final thoughts in the hotel room with the ice cream all but gone. Uh, I gotta be at work in less than five hours. So good night. Good night, JR. Josh, final thoughts. I got you all beat. I'm doing an overnight shift, so I'm actually at work right now, and I have to wake the kid up in four hours. Josh wins. Zach, final thoughts. I'm in the middle of inventory season, and I decided to stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday night. Yeah, this is going to end well. (laughs) It can only end well. Yeah. All right, gang, that's a wrap. Adios, sir. that's a wrap on the shows for May. As you can tell, we got a little bit tired towards the end of that one, but we made it through. Before we go, I want to give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. An example of their great prices is on Venom number 38. And this one, one of Flash's new supporting cast members, is dead set on learning his secret identity. So how does he keep it under wraps? Well, you have to find out. And the cover price for the book, $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com. See you all in June.